Today is October the 4th. Just who are the minor prophets? Let's find out together as we look at Scripture. So Sunday we begin a new sermon series, uh, Restored. And uh, we're going to look at the first three minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. I thought today it would be worthwhile to at least start asking the question, who are the minor prophets? Why are they considered minor? Um, the Hebrew Bible is not arranged like ours. Uh, the Hebrew Bible contains all of the books that we have it, no more, no less. But uh, they're arranged a little bit differently. In fact, there are eight books of prophets in the Hebrew Bible. And they're not the ones that you think. There are four former prophets. Those are Judges, Joshua, Samuel, and Kings. Um, we call those historical books. The Hebrew uh, a community called them the former prophets. Um, they were probably written by prophets in a uh, uh, topic for another day. Uh, I believe that prophets were the historiographers of Israel. And I think one of the ways we know that is because the historical books are called the former prophets. Then there are four latter prophets. Those are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the Twelve. The Twelve were all collected on one scroll. It is interesting. The arrangement in the Hebrew Bible is different from the arrangement in the Septuagint. Our Bibles follow the Hebrew Bible's arrangement beginning with Hosea, passing to Joel, and then ending with Amos. If you're wondering uh, what happened to books like Daniel, Lamentations, those ended up in uh, what was called the scrolls, a collection of three scrolls, which would include uh, the wisdom literature, uh, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, uh, etc. Others that were called the five great books, and those included books like um, uh, uh, Song of Solomon, um, Esther, Ezra, Nehemiah, and then finally other books which included Chronicles and Daniel. Um, so the twelve minor prophets, were taken as a group. Uh, they were lumped together in one scroll, probably because of length. Uh, it wasn't um, uh, cost-effective to put just one minor prophet on a collection of one scroll. Instead, they put all 12 together on one scroll, and it made it about the same size as Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Now, we're looking at the first three, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. 
Hosea very clearly is from the 8th century in the first chapter, the first verse. The Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah, and Jeroboam, son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. Now, if you look at Amos chapter 1, verse 1, this is the message that was given to Amos, a shepherd from the town of Tekoa in Judah. He received this message in visions two years before the earthquake when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, was king of Israel. Hosea and Amos were contemporaries. Uh, the span of Amos's prophecy was very short. Uh, the span of Hosea's prophecy was very long. Hosea's prophecy included a lifetime, as we're going to see, a lifetime living with a prostitute. Now, Hosea, it's believed, uh, was the only one of the minor prophets from the northern kingdom of Israel. Amos, we'll see later when we get into Amos, um, was from the southern kingdom called to prophesy in the north. Uh, we'll see tomorrow that Hosea's prophecy, although he's prophesying in the northern kingdom, it's intended for both Judah and Israel, southern and northern kingdom. Um, Joel, which occurs in the middle, doesn't really have a time. Joel 1.1, the Lord gave this message to Joel, son of Pethuel. Jonah's, uh, Joel's date is uh, completely unknown. He doesn't really describe uh, a, a war. He describes a natural disaster, a uh, devastating uh, plague of locusts. Now, unfortunately, a devastating plague of locusts was not an infrequent occurrence in Israel. It happened from time to time. So we can't use the plague of locusts to date Joel. We do note that the enemies of Israel that Joel talks about are enemies that are earlier. Um, Joel 3, 4, Tyre and Sidon, Philistia, uh, he, he talks about the Greeks in verse 6, then in verse 8, the people of Arabia. Even when he talks about uh, the enemies, he doesn't name nations. He names areas. Greece, uh, Arabia, Philistia, those existed along, uh, alongside Israel for a long period of time. If we try to look at vocabulary, it doesn't help us much either. If we try to look at theological themes, it doesn't help us much either. 
Joel could be anywhere from the 8th century to the 6th century. In general, the books of the Minor Prophets seem to be arranged chronologically. It is probable that Joel is during the 8th century. We don't really know. So Hosea is from the north prophesying to the north. Amos is from the south. If you look at the book of Amos in uh, chapter 7, Amos tells a little bit about himself. Um, he says, starting in verse 10, when Amaziah, the chief priest of the false religion in the north, tells Amos, go home, go back to the southern kingdom. Amos says in verse 14, I'm not a professional prophet. He says literally, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet. The son of the prophet is what um, Scripture uses to describe someone who has gone through the prophetic school. I was never trained to be one. Instead, I'm, I'm a shepherd. And I take care of sycamore trees. Now, Amos 1.1 identifies him as coming from Tekoa. In Tekoa, there would have been sheep. That apparently was Amos's job year-round. But sycamore trees, sycamore figs specifically, were not part of the Tekoa Valley. They were much closer, much higher on the mountains, living uh, closer to Jerusalem. But the sycamore fig was very unusual. The uh, fruit itself, when it be started to become ripe, would begin to engorge itself with liquid. If you didn't tend to them, they would burst and be ruined. So what you would do is you would cut a slit in the bottom of the sycamore fruit. It would drain out and ripen about a week later. Then you would harvest them. Now this is a very short uh, uh, period of time for the dressing of the figs and then the harvesting of the figs. Probably took a total of about a month. So apparently, Amos was both a shepherd and a migrant worker. He would travel wherever the sycamore figs were growing. Now, this was apparently a cash crop. In uh, First Chronicles chapter 27, verse 28, we read that King David actually named someone, Baal Hanan from Geder, was in charge of the king's olive groves and the sycamore figs in the foothills of Judah. Um, Amos would travel there as a migrant worker and uh, dress the figs and then help to harvest the figs. Between caring for the sheep and taking care of sycamore figs, Amos made his life. Both Hosea and Amos, and probably Joel, 
ministered during the time of Jeroboam II. The first king of the northern kingdom was Jeroboam I. But some 150 years later, there was another king named Jeroboam. Uh, scripture just calls him Jeroboam, son of Joash. But um, we know him as Jeroboam II. Now, just to get an idea of what was going on at this time, in 2 Kings, um, we read the story back around 885, a king by the name of Omri began to rule in uh, Israel. Omri was a very successful king. But he was a king of what Scripture says. He just followed the ways of Jeroboam, his father, and led Israel astray. When we read um, contemporary history, uh, they actually called Israel the house of Omri. Outside of Israel, Israel was not known as Israel. It was the Amride dynasty because Omri led Israel to the largest that nation ever was. He was a, success, a successful general. He defeated his enemies and he extended the nation of Israel way beyond what uh, it had been under Jeroboam. By 842, Omri's house lasted for about five generations. Jehu the king, in 2 Kings verses 9 and 10, uh, chapters 9 and 10, Jehu was appointed king over Israel by Elisha the prophet. And Elisha said, go and kill the existing king and take over his king. Well, Elisha killed the existing king. Then he killed his family. Then he killed his servants. Then he went down to uh, Judah and he killed that king and his family. As a result, Jehu was king for some period of time. By 786, some uh, 60 years later, Jeroboam II is made king. Now this takes place in 2 Kings chapter 14. Just like Omri, very little is written about Jeroboam. 2 Kings 14.23, Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, began to rule over Israel in the 15th year of King Amaziah's reign in Judah. Jeroboam reigned in Samaria for 41 years. It's a long reign. And he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Verse 25 says, he recovered the territories of Israel between Libo Hamath and the Dead Sea. 
just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath, Hefer. Jeroboam II had a kingdom just as large as Omri's. He was also a very successful king, a very good general. He led Israel into war. They conquered a lot of territory. But all scripture says about him is that he led Israel into sin. By the time Jeroboam finished his reign, Baalism was the official religion of the northern kingdom. They had completely forgotten about God. That is the atmosphere that Hosea, Joel, and Amos speak in. The country is flourishing. The country is in its golden days. But each one of the prophets says, you've turned your back on God. So my question for you today, when you look at politics, what do you pay attention to? Do you look at the golden days? Do you look at maybe who uh, charges less tax? Do you look at the stock markets? Who is uh, the better president in terms of how the stock markets went? Or like the prophets, do you see who follows God? I'd encourage you, as you look at the country today, as you look at our own society, look deeper than surface level. Stock market's good, low taxes are great, but are we following God? Please like, follow, subscribe, and share on whatever platform you use to listen to this devotional. Tomorrow, we'll take a look at Hosea's family.